Welcome to the Confident Couples Podcast, episode 34. If you breathe the same air long enough with your partner, you will do something that you'll need to apologize for. It's just going to happen. And today, we dig into some amazing research about how to make that apology the best one you've ever done. I'm sorry, and let's get to it. B, I'm sorry getting to this podcast was so dang hard tonight. It's okay. I still love you. But, you know, it was, you know, I didn't really intend to offend you when I got mad at you while we were planning this episode, and I'm really sorry you feel that way. (laughs) That was the point that (laughs) frustrated me. (laughs) And when I decided to take a break... And come back after dinner and try this again. Friends, apologies are important. And sometimes when you're planning a podcast episode about apologies and you talk about things you might need to apologize for, you get in an argument that lasts two hours <laughs> about who's right about certain situations and who's wrong. And that's the way that we started this podcast today. But we're here now and we're getting it done. And we have some fun things to discuss about what makes... Some best practices for an apology is probably the best way to say it. We've done some painstaking research, which means we listen to somebody else's podcast. About research. About research, because they did all the painstaking legwork. And we thought we would bring that to you because every relationship has apologies built into it. You are going to do something to hurt a feeling, frustrate, make sad, disappoint, doesn't matter. However you do it, you breathe the same air long enough together. At some point in time, you're going to upset the other person. And since Bud is always thinking about everything he does in the context of relationships, he's had this topic on our episode list since way back when, when he first listened to an episode of the Freakonomics podcast, which is one of your favorites, right? It is. I have a lot of fun because I'm a nerd. Like you called me a dork yesterday for talking to one of my buddies about we shared books back and forth that are economics books and you call us dorks. You guys are dorks. (laughs) You were like, yeah, you know, I sent him this book about whatever because we were talking about insert acronym here and, you know, now he sent me this book about how capitalism is going to save America. I'm like, you guys are dorks. But I'm well, glad you're I'm a sorry dork. You feel that way. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really sorry that happened. <laughs> I'm glad you're a dork about economics, though, and freakonomics and studies because that podcast is really good. And I'm glad that you put it on my list of podcasts to listen to, so that I can learn a little bit more about apologies. There has actually been research about the proper way to apologize. So if you have never listened to Freakonomics and you've never heard this episode, I definitely recommend checking it out. And it is... It's episode 353, How to Optimize Your Apology. And also a side note, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you go to Freakonomics to listen to this... They only house like their last 90 days of episodes on Apple Podcasts. So if you want to listen to everything, go to Stitcher. Stitcher has all of their archived episodes. Oh, interesting. And that's where you can actually find it. That's where we listen to it at. So that's where you'll be able to find episode 353, How to Optimize Your Apology. So to kick this off, the way that this all started was that there happened to be an economist who got into an Uber car 
to take a ride to his panel presentation because that's what economists do. They do panels, they do speaking engagements. And the ride said it would take him 27 minutes. And it typically he says, I'm, I'm a, tend to be somebody who's working up until the last minute. So he goes to work on his slides. And about 25 minutes later, he looks up and the Uber driver has stopped and they are back in front of this house. Where he started. And he gets out and he's like, no, no, he stays in the car. He's like, no, no, we have to go. He's late to his panel. He gets done with it. And he winds up and he calls the Uber CEO. What's his name? It's the guy who's got booted. It uh, doesn't matter. They, he calls the Uber CEO up because, I mean, why wouldn't this guy work for Uber? He moonlights for Uber as their chief economist. So they go on a tear of trying to understand what is the economics of an apology. Yeah, because he says, the worst thing about being taken for this ride where I didn't end up where I was supposed to go was that the driver didn't apologize that it happened. And come to find out, that happens a lot at Uber. And when they set up a study, it took them like two or three weeks to get 1.6 million rides that were of bad rides or bad service to really do a field research study on this and talk about, do A and B testing. You know, if you're a dork like me out there, you know what A and B testing is all about. And to offer various levels of compensation in the form of an apology, like, you know what, you had a one-star ride, we're sorry we let you down, here's a $5 coupon. And then they would track rider behavior for the next 84 days, no idea how they came up with that day number, that's just what they did, and they'd track ride behavior for the next 84 days to find out if you returned as a customer or if you turned your back and never came back again. So that's the kind of depth of research that we got to work with, and I think that we pulled some good things from that, and he talked about a couple of best practices. So one, it has to be costly when you make an apology. There has to be a cost associated to it, and this is in a business sense. The uh, person who is receiving the apology needs to understand that there is a cost to you doing it. As an example, giving the $5 credit for Uber needs to occur directly after the event or as close to thereafter. You know, for Uber, you get a one-star rating. The company knows it's a one-star rating immediately. So there's an event that they can trigger and respond with an apology immediately in a relationship that might not work 100% all the time. You might not know that you've upset your partner. You might need to do what I did last night or we'll talk about this later. Like, are you sure you're oh? Okay. <laughs> I wish everyone could see your hand motions right now like while you're pulling and tug invisible, never-ending tug of war, tug of war, tug of yeah. war. Yeah, where I'm like pulling it. Are you sure you're okay? You might need to go back to that well a couple more times. And that you cannot overuse it because it's hard, right? You cannot overuse it because then it's hard to show that an apology is not costly. Yeah, so if you're giving too many apologies, what they found at Uber was if they gave one apology 
and it didn't happen again, that was very effective. But if someone kept having bad rides that were late over and over and over again, and they kept apologizing and giving more coupons, it actually had a negative effect versus not apologizing at all because it showed that Uber didn't actually live up to the apologies and the promise that this was costly to us and we're working to improve it. So that's kind of the anatomy of an apology that I would call it. Not necessarily like perfect best practices for a relationship. Those are yet to come after a couple more stories. But costly as immediately as possible. And you have to be careful how often you use them. If you keep apologizing for the same thing over and over and over again or behaving in the same way over and over again, your partner will or the party who is being apologized to will start to think you don't mean it. And one of the economists that was involved in this shared the concept that an apology is a way to rebuild trust and that if you are chronically apologizing for the same thing over and over again, you're basically signaling to that other party that you don't care. No, that your apology isn't genuine because Mm -hmm. it's not actually, you're not actually showing remorse because you're not changing your behavior as a result of hurting the other person or whatever impact you've had on the other person that you need to apologize for. So I think that was something that I really took away from this section of the podcast that was very applicable in the relationship sense, because I think we can imagine if I keep apologizing to you because I keep forgetting to do the thing you've asked me to do, but I just continue to forget every time that I'm in no way modifying my behavior to do better next time and to prove to you that I want to do better to remember. Pretty much everything I apologize for is something I told you I would do and that I forgot. So I have to show you that there's a way that I am trying to do better and not just continue to make the same mistake over and over again. So like me not taking the trash out is something that's gained traction in our group. Fellow confident (laughs) couplers, that um, I'm not the trash man. Yeah, the 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 listeners know that you hate taking out the trash. And then I don't, and that's back to marriage, you know, first year of marriage, that's what you got anointed with. So, (laughs) what you got anointed with. So, you just got to forget. (laughs) You just got lucky because trash day is on your guys' night. And I know that it's more realistic for me to remember to take the trash out than for you to come home late at night and remember to do it. So I just make sure it happens while I'm out. So that's why I end up doing the trash. So if you're in that scenario where you chronically, like me, forget to take the trash off time and time and again, eventually, if you play your cards right, your partner will give up on you. (sighs) (laughs) Right? Is that what we're trying to teach people? No. No? That's no. not what we're trying? Okay. If that actually worked, <laughs> I would stop being the person that was responsible for the grocery order because I continuously forget to submit it. <laughs> and you're always like, the shipped order is ready. And I'm like, okay, I'll get there. Well, it's a two-step. We're at least both involved in the process. That's true. No. Yes. Yeah, if, if you relied on me to do the grocery shopping... That would never get done either. You don't want to know where I usually do the grocery shopping <gasps> on the shipped app anyways. So that's Are you why taking I a shipped? you. Yeah, I'm taking a shipped break. <laughs> that's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> so then you have to be here to check and make sure that, oh, we already have blueberries. You don't need more blueberries, bud. True. So there's a little bit of that that goes there too. This is not what we're talking about. 
Moving on now, back on topic to value-added information for you. <laughs> the uh, second part of the podcast really dive into, I thought, were some great best practices to put involved in place in a relationship because Karen Cirillo is a, she's a cultural psychologist from Rutgers University, and she has done a bunch of research and actually wrote a paper called Rich and Famous Have a Lot to Learn When It Comes to Saying Sorry. Nice. And what she did with, I think, some co-researchers was that they looked at, they looked at famous people making apologies. And there are a lot of them that have happened. You know, one of the ones that they talk about, huge one, is the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton from the 90s. And then also another one was Chris Brown recently that she researched as well. So she broke down a bunch of ways that people make apologies. And that some of the key areas that we'll dive into first is like formatting matters. So like when you're talking about an apology, like there's a group of things that are in play, like who's the victim, who's the offender, what is the act, what was the motivation, what's the context, is there any presence of remorse, is there any restitution for the mistake? So that's kind of like the context and the planning and the format of what an apology can be made up of. Don't need to be made up of all of them, but that seems to be like most apologies that are have been documented in her studies around rich and famous people. There's some way, shape, or form made up of those like six or seven items. And does she say that all of those things are good or are some of those things bad? She doesn't. She says, actually properly answer the question she says some are good and needed and some are bad and not relevant oh okay so in the research that she started out with what she found in actually turning polling data that was one of the reasons why that they studied rich and famous people because this is a public apology in some way which they could track polling off of it you know how did people feel about bill clinton when he started making apologies when he changed the way he was making apologies for the monica lewinsky incident Beginning is very, very important to prime your audience. What you say first and what you say last are the two most important parts of an apology. The middle part is more or less where you can mess it up is going to be the where that I'm taking. So, you know, I'm sorry for the act that I did because of the context around my behavior. And then I feel remorse and I feel... I want to make this right or rest, you know, provide restitution to you. She talks about how putting context in the middle actually diminishes the results, as an example, the results of the apology. Because, frankly, nobody cares around the context of why happened and what happened. They really care that you apologize, you feel remorse, and that you are working to try to make restitution or make whatever you did better. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. The, she talked about how ineffective it is when people get that gut reaction, that gut feeling that they need to be like, well, I didn't intend for this negative thing to happen. I'm or, sorry you feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sorry you all took it that way, but that wasn't what I was trying to say. It almost is like pushing off the blame and trying to be like, diminishes it, their opinion or their view of the situation. Yeah. It it actually goes back to um, 
one thing that I heard in the podcast was that one of the least effective types of apologies are called offender driven. So these are when the person starts talking about themselves and giving all sorts of information about the context and motivation of the apology. So I was just trying to go about my business. I was just trying to do this thing. I'm really sorry you all took it that way. That kind of thing where they just talk about themselves and not about the impact that they've had on the person they've apologized to. I remember like, you know, 11 year old Bud mailing. I'm sorry I hit you. My mom told me to come tell you I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry I hit you, but you shouldn't have been such a jerk. Happy Gilmore. Sorry you shouldn't have been standing there. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And what I think happens from what Karen was talking about was that if you get off track, it diminishes everything else that you're trying to do. If you get away from the victim and from remorse and you put anything else in the middle there, you move away or if you do anything else first or last, you get off track from what you're trying to accomplish, which is genuinely apologizing. Now, if you're in, if you're rich and famous, you might not feel like you want to genuinely apologize for something that might be different. But in our world where we're talking about relationships, let's hope that if you've made a genuine mistake, that you do genuinely want to apologize for it. Yes. And you want to definitely acknowledge your partner and how they're feeling and how you made them feel. So we'll definitely get to an example of how to do this and take everything that we've learned from the podcast. And I think the other part of if I say to you, I'm sorry I made you feel like that, I'm not taking any responsibility for what I made you feel either. See, I don't know if that's always bad because sometimes I'm genuinely sorry I hurt your feelings or I do want you to know sometimes that I didn't anticipate the reaction and I should have, or, you know, I didn't think about your feelings first and I should have. So I'm really sorry. I made you feel sad. Like that's to me, genuine. I think that is sorry. I made you feel like that or sorry. Actually, sorry. You feel like that is the, is the jumping off. Like, sorry. What did I say? Yeah. I think that that's a little bit different. Sorry. You feel that way. Sorry. You feel that way. Yep. Rather than I think, you know, I'm sorry that I've upset you. I did not anticipate what I said to for you to react that way. But I, I understand that you do feel that way. And, and I have I'm offended really sorry. you and I've hurt your feelings and mm-hmm. I can do better. And here's how. Mm-hmm. So, drum roll. Let's get down to the bottom line top tips on how to create the best apology that you can create for when you mess up next time. You don't want to wait to apologize. Forget your ego and do it right away. Identify who you have offended up front. Say, I'm sorry, Sarah, that I have offended you. I have made you mad for not taking out the trash. Nobody cares that in the first year of marriage that you signed up for this. Oh, so I'm no going so I'm nope. going to I'm going to block that away from my brain and I'm not going to provide any toxic t- context. I'm going to express remorse that I can do better. I need to remember to bring I need to, I go right by the trash cans when I come home. I need to remember that they are not out and take them out on Thursday night and I will make my restitution by setting an alarm on my phone for next week, 7 p.m. on Thursday, and promising 
that if I don't do it, then I will vacuum. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know. Ooh, that's painful restitution for you. Fold along. I mean, restitution in some way. And, and this might be where if you're in the right mood, you can have a little bit of fun and maybe get out a sticky note and have your partner write what restitution coupon you would like to use. I think if restitution doesn't feel appropriate, you can also, <laughs> that in that last step, rely on resolution. Resolution. So Why? what am I going to do differently next time? What have I learned from this situation? So if there's nothing you really need to exchange at the end, you know, I think that that show that there is a cost to you can be, I'm going to take my time to put this on my calendar for next week so that I have less chance to forget. You're kind of showing that you've learned something and your apology means something because you're working to change your behavior. I did write a note in here that I think a restitution can be changing your behavior provided you actually change your behavior. So like when I used to toss Jetta in the air like a little baby, I provided a restitution, I apologized and provided restitution to you and that I would change my behavior and I have delivered on that. Yes, you have. You said I will never do that again and you haven't and uh Jetta agrees, so that's good. So to re recap, before we go into an example, identify your victim up front. Don't wait to apologize. Do it right away. Express remorse and make some kind of restitution if needed. A resolution. Or resolution, for sure. That is needed. So, for example... This is the situation that caused us some conflict before we started recording. <laughs> and maybe this example was a little too fresh to bring to the podcast recording today, but we couldn't really think of a better one, for you. even though we fought over it. So this is for you, dear listener. So I came home from a conference to yesterday. I've been gone for a couple days and I was really excited to get home. I left as soon as the event was over. And I stopped at Shake Shack because I knew Bud would love it. And he asked me to and even made the order online on the app so I could grab and go. And I came straight home so that we could hang out and have a little bit of Sunday night leftover. And I got here and Bud was on the phone with a good friend of his, which often happens. And that's great. But I was a little surprised when Bud kind of waved to me, got up from the couch, and then went to the office for like 30 more minutes and kept chatting with his friend while our Shake Shack got cold. And for a variety of reasons, it hurt my feelings that he was prioritizing his phone call over the fact that I had just gotten home for the first time in a couple days to spend some time with him. And... My feelings were hurt when he finally did get off the phone and come back to the kitchen. Would you like to add some more perspective to the situation? We've talked about how nobody gives a shit about context. So well, the, not within an apology, <laughs> but I think if you'd like to add some context to that story. I, I, the only point in context I would add is this is a close friend who we were working through a business issue and it I had carved out an hour of his time later in the evening before I knew when you were coming home. So it was an unfortunate event that that happened all at the same time. But fortunately, because we had been preparing for this podcast, when I did hang up, 
<laughs> came out to the kitchen. I could tell that you were moping. frustrated. <laughs> Moping's probably a good way. Yes, you were moping. Because you were I knew watering some garden stuff. I was in the backyard. Yeah. Because I had and you looked finished very cute, and you told me that I. <laughs> you said I don't look cute. Don't tell me that. Because you, you're like. I was in my printed, I give up printed pajamas like toddler jammer time. <laughs> I was in my I give up pajamas <laughs> after trying to actually wear real clothes for two days. Um, they're called the don't touch me pajamas. <laughs> no, that's actually a different t-shirt that I have. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I knew that you weren't purposely trying to hurt my feelings. So it wasn't something that made me angry. I was just... I was more disappointed because the evening had not gone the way that I expected it to. And I wanted the opportunity to connect with you over my double shack burger and to have a moment. And it didn't go the way that I wanted. And so my feelings were hurt and I was just disappointed. I want to come back to that about expectations and put it in a parking lot real quick. Don't let me forget. Got it. So what I did was Sarah came in, brought her jammer pants in. And sat down, and we started to eat, and I said, honey, what's wrong? And she said, nothing. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, nothing. And I said, come on, I know there's something wrong. What's wrong? And she said, well, I came home, and you just ignored me. And I said, I'm sorry that I ignored you. I can understand how that made you feel. I'm I did not want to ignore you. I'm very happy that you are home and that we are happy and that you brought Shake Shack. You are amazing and I love you and I'm sorry. Wasn't that a good apology, everyone? Just to hit that rewind 30 seconds button, listen to him do it again. <laughs> and I can I also say that this is the actual tone of voice that you use for apologies to me when I need to be treated delicately. But I still appreciate it. Because you're saying things in a very measured way to make sure that you speak properly and deliver the apology that will make me feel better. And that meant a lot to me. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this situation and put it in the show notes in the first place is because I did think that you handled it really well. And you didn't get defensive and say, well, you know, I'm sorry, but that's a little ridiculous. I only had an hour to talk to my friend and we had planned it for a while. So, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's the way it had to go, which could have been how you took it. Very different tone, very different intention, very much defensive rather than showing that my feelings mattered to you. Even if you wouldn't necessarily do it differently in a future situation, I still felt really heard and seen and appreciated. And that's what an apology is all about, feeling heard and seen and being appreciated for what your feelings are. Expectation parking lot. A little bit longer. Okay. I think the other thing that can be, I think the other word of caution around this is speaking your truth seems to be something in the in my world that I have that I have experienced this seems to be like the Ricky Bobby well Mr. Denton I said with all due respect oh you know and speaking your truth or saying with all due respect is not let you just say anything without with complete disregard for the other person so I would be cautionary about that and and you know basically sinking a canoe with a battleship in some way shape or form 
And then we're going to go back to expectations, expectation parking lot. So one of the things that when you brought that up, I think that things that we've had challenges with is all derived from expectations in one way, shape, or form. You had a design on how the night was going to go. I had a design on how the night was going to go. They were not communicated clearly. Expectations were not displayed or shown. And when they became misaligned, you know, because my perfect night was you coming home, me eating Shake Shack and talking to Willie in no particular order. Mm -hmm. Yours was coming home as fast as possible, eating Shake Shack with me and not even knowing whether I'm going to talk to Willie or not. And if your expectation, if we had communicated about them, that I said, hey, I'm going to go get the Shake Shack. It's been a long two days at this conference. I want to come back home and I want to eat Shake Shack with you. I should be home at you know this time. And can we make that work? And that would have given us, not just me, but us the opportunity to set expectations mutually together. That's true. I heard recently that you can only be upset when you're surprised, which I think is really true. And the better that we can communicate so that nobody ends up surprised by expectations, I think the better things can go. So in my head, I'm still sitting here thinking, well, you just should have known that I wanted to come home and see you. And you just should have known when I would be home. But I share I, my I share my location on the phone with you so you know where I am. <laughs> so I'm still struggling, but you're right. If I had just said, I can't wait to get home and have this burger with you in one hour and 15 minutes from now, then you would have at least known what I was expecting or what I intended to do for the rest of the night. So I guess that's a little bit tangent outside of apology, though. It isn't, it isn't, because it's all connected to how we get ourselves in the situations that we may need apologizing to. That's true. Or apologizing for. So we like to end every episode with a challenge to something that you can implement with your partner right now. And I would just ask that you guys take this apology plan and put it into action the next time right away and to reiterate it's apologize as fast as possible don't wait identify your victim who it was probably your partner partner. (laughs) identify your victim who it was up front and tell them who they are I'm sorry I offended you you're right use their first name doesn't matter express remorse make restitution or what was yours? Resolution. Resolution. Make resolution in some way, shape, or form. And then hug, kiss, make up. Yes. I love that idea for the challenge. Make a better apology, a more thoughtful apology next time you deserve to make one and see what happens. And that's all I've got for today. You say classy. Confident couples. Oh, great. Are we going back to that? Sure. Cheers. <laughs> Whatever. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for the Confident Couples Podcast. If you want to help create more confident couples, share this episode. Post a screenshot on your social media and tag us at Bud and Sarah on Instagram. For show notes for this episode and even more good stuff and advice, head to our website at budandsarah.com. We'll see you soon.